It's the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, March 26. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. We get an update from the Mayor on the Guidebook for Great Communities and the progress made during the public hearings this week. Then we head stateside. We catch up with Jackson Prosco, Global News Washington Bureau Chief, with an update on the U.S. vaccine rollout and details on an ambitious new vaccination goal set by President Joe Biden. Passover starts this weekend. We learn about the significance of the holiday, how it's celebrated, and how those celebrations will look different this year due to the pandemic. And finally, he's our man on the couch. We catch up with Brett McGarry of The Couch Potatoes with a look at what's new in the world of TV, movies, and streaming. This week, the return of the Mighty Ducks franchise. 8-12, it's mornings with Sue and Andy. And uh, last week, a busy one at City Council. Councillors had their hands full with of course, the marathon public hearings on the guidebook for great communities, something we uh, touched base with uh, last Friday with Mayor Nahad Nenshi, and of course, something we want to talk about very much, a passion of the mayor's, the uh, new mental health and addiction strategy action plan. Good morning to you, Mr. Mayor. Good morning. Uh, you know, we ran out of time. I, I want to, well, we'll get to the guidebook because it seems like the only thing that we've been talking about, uh, not just uh, on this program, but as Calgarians for a week and a half. So we're going to find out where we're at with that in a second. But something that you're very passionate about, the mental health and addiction strategy. Tell us about the action plan. Yeah, so it was actually a very big meeting at council, although the guidebook was most of it. Uh, I think the most consequential thing that happened is that council unanimously passed our new mental health and addiction strategy. And That has really been the cornerstone for me of the last few years as mayor for kind of three reasons. Number one is the statistics. We know that one out of four of us will struggle with mental illness at some point in our lives, and all of us, four out of four of us, will have challenges with our mental health at some point. So it's in every family, and we never talk about it, and we need to do better. I had a, my second reason is I had a personal issue where I had someone who is very close to me who is struggling with addiction and mental health issues, and I was having a lot of trouble helping him. You know, through multiple emergency room visits and so many late night phone calls, I was trying to figure out how to guide him through the system, and I thought to myself, geez, I'm the mayor. <laughs> you know, I know everybody, and I can't do it. So, how is anyone else ever supposed to be able to navigate the system? And then third, of course, is the absolute crisis of addiction, overdose, and death, where we are losing multiple people a day last year uh, in Alberta at an overdose. And I thought those things will come together, and we've got to create a community-based plan on mental health. And so I'm really happy that that's been done. I think we've created a model here in Calgary that others will be able to replicate. And if you're listening and you are concerned about your mental health, I want to tell you about two important resources. So number one is you can always call 211 24-7. For urgent issues, for non-urgent issues, they'll refer you to the services that you need. If you're more comfortable online, one of the things we did in the mental health strategy was create a new website called communityconnectsyyc.ca. Just Google Community Connect Calgary. And that's a one-stop place where depending on what you're feeling and where you're at, you will be able to find the resources that can help you. And of course... If there's immediate threat of harm or self-harm, you call 911. We know what to do. This has been a difficult year, and more than ever, this is needed. We've needed it for a very long time, you're right, but boy, more than ever before. And this it's, it's amazing that this mayor is, you know, something new. It's a, a leading-edge initiative and strategy for Canada as a whole. Yeah, you know, and, and it's wrong to be proud of something that should have been done a long time ago, but the volunteer group, that came together to craft this. We call it our stewardship group under the leadership of Karen Gosby and Dr. Chris Eagle. 
really did something special here. We were supported in this work um, through the Bloomberg Harvard City Initiative, City Leadership Initiative in the U.S., and they've already written up our work even before we passed it in the top academic journal in this field at Stanford, saying that Calgary is doing something really special. So uh, the thing is, that's not about bragging rights. That's about spreading the word to other communities that we need to all do this and we need to all create a model that makes sense for people in our communities. And how did we stack up before as far as, you know, how we have resources and, and you know, you hate to say it this way, but if you had to, you know, have some mental health issues, is, is Calgary the city to, to be in now? Well, I, what I, that's not a great way to say it. Yeah. Well, they, they, always, they always say they always say that, you know, with our, our stroke facilities here, that if you yeah, had to have a stroke, cancer, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very true. Um, no, you know what? We had a lot of great people doing great work before. Don't get me wrong, but it was very disparate. It was hard to navigate. And our new strategy is based on three quick principles, which are being well. So being well at home, at work, at school, in your faith community. So that's really about stopping things before they get really too bad. The second is about getting help where, when, and how you need it and navigating the system and making sure the health is available for you. And the third is staying safe, whether you're someone with mental health concerns or someone who lives in a community where there are lots of people with mental health concerns. Everyone deserves to feel safe all the time. So that's really what it's based on. And, you know, we're not there yet. I I keep saying this is not the end. This is the end, perhaps, of the beginning because we have a lot of implementation to do, but it really builds on a lot of great work of a lot of people already in the community. And I just want people to be able to access that more quickly. And I will give a real shout out to the provincial government. Uh, We have Alberta's first associate minister of mental health and addiction. They put a ton of money, even in hard times, into recovery and treatment for people facing addiction. So for the first time ever, if you are ready to stop now and you are ready to go into treatment now, there is a bed for you now. And so that stuff really matters. And uh, I really encourage everyone who's listening for yourself or for your loved ones or for your coworkers, you know, take them to that website, Community Connect YYC, or uh, have them call 211. Even have, call 211 and ask how you can be a supportive helper. And there's lots out there for you. We're lucky to have this strategy in place here in Calgary. Mayor, can we ask you to hang on for a couple of minutes? We'd like to talk about how the, the public hearings on the guidebook to great communities went. I loved it. <laughs> the Peter That's Ravine theme song. He came to the Jubilee Auditorium at least once a year. And, and Mayor Nadji <laughs> continues with us. And this is a, a, a tidbit for you because you remember Ravine coming to town. Well, I have to explain where that song came from. Uh, a good friend of mine has been doing a wonderful thing through COVID, Ken Lee McQuaylo. And every day on Facebook, he has a daily distraction. Yep. And sometimes they're silly and sometimes they're fun. I think I've seen you up there, Sue, yep, right? Definitely. And, um, and what they really are, believe it or not, is a mental health intervention. They're a quick check-in, making sure people feel like they're part of the community. But yesterday happened to be... What is your favorite childhood jingle? Oh, that's funny. I didn't even see that. Which reminded me, getting into the Guidebook for Great Communities, that while we were talking about the Guidebook for Great Communities, Councillor Sutherland said something about not trying to be the amazing Kreskin, (laughs) to which I responded, how old are you? No one is going to get that reference. And then someone else piped in, look, it was a long public hearing. People were a little, bit, uh, a little bit tired at the end. And someone else piped in, well, did you know that Ravine lived in Calgary and his kids went to Highland School? Yeah. I did not know this. Uh, but, of course, that led me down 
when council was over, led me down a rabbit hole learning about Ravine. And it is true. And his son now tours under the same name, but I've never seen him. So now one of my goals is to see his son. And by the way, yes, he uses the same theme song. Well, you have to. It's the nostalgia. Yeah, true. Now that we've talked a lot of Ravine, we've got a little bit of time for the guidebook for for great communities. So uh, before we get to, you know, your thoughts on how the week of of the public hearings went, it seems to me that this issue has started a little contentious. It just seems like it's going to be the next secondary suites or the green line. Are we going to be able to move past this? Yeah, I, I very much think so. So while we had a very long meeting and well it was frustrating at some times it also reminded me that's one of the great things about our system which is that anybody can come and as long as they're not being hateful they get five minutes and they can say their piece and what was really interesting about it was towards the end of the second night the tone completely changed um, and you had a ton of young people coming speaking very passionately about the changes they would like to see in Calgary to retain and attract other young people. And it was really cool because you don't normally get a bunch of young people out at one of these public hearings. Um, And what it was is they had been following along on social media and on the news and saying, you know, my voice is not being represented here. So in the end, I think we got a very nice selection of people. But the critical thing is when you kind of separated the wheat from the chaff and you kind of took away the emotion, the ardent opponents, most of them, And the ardent supporters, all of them, were actually saying almost exactly the same thing. And what was clear to me as we were looking at it was that the guidebook is not written in the clearest way. It's kind of jargony. It's kind of Mm -hmm. planning focused. But when you boil it down to everyone wants to live in a great neighborhood and everyone wants to live in a neighborhood that works and preferably one where the kids can walk to school or you can walk to the corner store where your family can get away without two or three or four cars to just run their everyday lives. Everyone was saying kind of the same thing. And this guidebook, as I said before, doesn't change a single piece of zoning. It doesn't change anybody's house. Um, What it does is it provides some policy and some guidelines for when a neighborhood is ready to go through some change. And uh, as, as the kids grow up and the population declines and there's fewer people in the school and so on, So ultimately, I think we can get there quite easily and square the circle. Now, there's some people who were playing, look, some political games, you know. I think it's funny that Councillor Farkas has been going on and on and on about how this is not a problem with the guidebook, it's a problem with engagement. And then he voted against more engagement uh, and actually asked me on the floor of council, if my goal is actually to kill this, how should I vote? And I said, I thought your goal was more public engagement. And he said, well... If I wanted to kill it, how should I vote? And that is, in fact, how he voted. So there's been some political gamesmanship, but we can get through that and actually see what people really want for their communities and for their city. And I think we're all very close. Excellent. Good to know. I'm sure we'll be talking about it again as we move forward. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Have a great weekend, Thank you, everyone. Great weekend. And as always, our numbers are going up. Stay safe. Clean hands, clear heads, open hearts. Thank you so much. That's Mayor Nahednechi. 709, Joe Biden's first presidential news conference, notable for what was missing after his predecessor. No contentious exchanges with reporters, no Fox News, no questions about COVID-19. Joining us now to discuss Jackson Prosco, Global's Washington Bureau Chief. Good morning, Jackson. Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, too. So in the news conference, President announcing he's setting a, a, a another ambitious new vaccine goal. 
Yeah, the goal is 200 million doses in his first 100 days. Originally, the goal was 100 million doses. Uh, That was achieved pretty early on, and the pace of vaccination is only accelerating. In fact, it has been so fast that he was originally criticized for not being ambitious enough with his first goal. We're hearing, of course, that there was an issue uh, as far as uh, some estimates that said the U.S. might not actually get to herd immunity, even though the vaccines are available, because you need that 70 percent. And there's a lot of folks that are reticent. I'm wondering if you've seen an uptick in those people coming out for their vaccination since uh, former President Donald Trump uh, gave the thumbs up that, you know, perhaps everybody should be getting this vaccine. You know, it's hard to say right now, but I think there is a concern that uh, the U.S. is quickly approaching a place where it will have too much supply and not enough demand. And so the Biden administration actually has a one and a half billion dollar plan to try and overcome vaccine hesitancy. And a lot of that is going to be focused on uh, reaching out to conservatives, because a lot of polls suggest that uh, upwards of 50 percent of Republican voters, those Trump supporters, say they will not get vaccinated. And you're right, that could uh, prevent the U.S. from achieving herd immunity. So they're going to focus on community outreach, but specifically taking the politics out of it and sort of empowering community groups and churches and local doctors to do the sales work. Uh, Jackson, lots going on in New York right now. There's, you know, interesting news, certainly on the legalization of marijuana front. But let's touch touch on Chris Cuomo. And maybe I shouldn't say touch and Chris Cuomo in the first and same sentence because that's Andrew certainly... Cuomo. <laughs> I'm sorry, Andrew Cuomo. I, I, get, I get confused. There's the, the brothers Cuomo and then brothers. the dad. And uh, so anyway, he again is in the news, isn't he? And, and just more stories coming out. Yeah. So not only are there, uh, I believe it's up to seven accusations now of inappropriate sexual conduct by uh, the governor, uh, these uh, investigations into whether his administration was concealing data about COVID-19 in nursing homes. But now there's an accusation that he prioritized state medical care and testing for uh, close friends and even members of his own family, including Chris Cuomo, the anchor at CNN. Uh, This was during the early days of the pandemic when tests were very hard to come by for the average person. Uh, But the accusation is there, and it's just another layer in the calls for him to resign. But so far, according to polls, a majority of New Yorkers think he should stay in his job for now. Really? Interesting. Interesting times. And it seems like we hear these stories, unfortunately, every couple of months. Uh, from from different folks. Uh, let's uh, talk about New York is something that uh, Sue alluded to. What does New York think it is, Canada? Um, <laughs> so, so, so tell us about this process and, and how unique it would be. Would it be different than legalization in uh, in California? Uh, you know, I think they're still sort of sorting out the details of it. But the fact uh, that they're discussing it, of course, is a huge step forward because marijuana beca- uh, it remains criminalized at the federal level here in the U.S. And there's sort of a, a growing push. In fact, there's a bill on Chuck Schumer's desk right now to decriminalize it or even legalize it at the federal level in the U.S., which would sort of make these state restrictions moot at this point. But, you know, the fact that a state like New York is pushing, pushing ahead with this, I think, tells you which way the winds are blowing at mm-hmm. this point. Um, let's talk about uh, another lawsuit being filed by Dominion voting systems this time they're going after fox news yeah i mean a long list of uh you know organizations they've targeted that were essentially lying about dominion's role in the last election saying that dominion's machines were mysteriously switching votes or uh you know uh, swaying the election in favor of joe biden which is simply not true and you know just to give your listeners a bit of background here what those dominion machines did was count ballots But in places like Georgia, they went back and did a hand count and they verified that the machine tallies were accurate. So the point is, Dominion feels that its reputation has been harmed by places like Fox News that were spreading lies about their role in the election. And uh, they are out to set things right uh, to the tune of a $1.6 billion lawsuit against Fox News.
Wow, so that's a couple of dollars. Let's uh, let's uh, focus on uh, former President Donald Trump, and I want to ask you a question about this because we we don't hear that much from him, and that's because he was uh, very much involved with using social media to get his message across. Now he doesn't really have that platform, but tell us about his next perhaps big venture, creating his own social media network. Yeah, uh, the he has alluded to the fact that within the next three or four months, he will be rolling out his own social media network. Uh, some in the pundit sheet are, were quick to joke that, is he calling it bitter instead of Twitter? Um, <laughs> you know, the question is, is there a market for something like that? You know, services like Parler, which have sort of branded themselves as the free speech alternative with no censorship, have quickly realized, in fact, there has to be some content moderation. Otherwise, the platform is used for spreading hate and pornography. And I think a lot of people who use Twitter enjoy the fact that, nice or not, they're engaging with people who have different opinions than their own. Is there really a market for a social media platform where it's just a total bubble? I would question that. Hmm, it'll be interesting. If it does, I don't think it matters what anybody thinks he'll do it. If he thinks that it's, it might make him a few dollars and, and get him a platform yet again. Uh, you know what, uh, Jackson, we're talking about uh, commercials this morning. We're talking about retro jingles or commercials that we kind of remember from when we were a kid. But as soon as you hear it, everything comes back to you. Do you have anything that pops in your head when I say that to you? Yeah, am I allowed to say the Hello Calgary song? I'm not going to sing it. Yeah, but. <laughs> you can sing it if you want. <laughs> no, no, I think it's better for everyone if I don't. <laughs> is that the, the, like the old two we and seven played, jingle? We played yeah, that exactly. Show like that is yep. memories of my childhood right there. That's fantastic. Love it. Thank you so much. You have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Appreciate your time. 719 on your Friday morning. Passover 2021 begins at sundown Saturday, ends Sunday evening, April the 4th. Passover traditionally celebrated with friends, loved ones, lots of food. It's a big celebration, but this year obviously will look different again. With details, we're joined this morning by Senior Rabbi Menachem Matasov. Good morning, Rabbi. Good morning, Sue. How are you? Excellent. Thank you so much for joining good, 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 good. us. I know this is a, a very important holiday, so tell us a little bit about the background, the meaning of Passover, would you? Uh, sure. Good morning, everyone. So Passover celebrates this, the historical exodus from slavery in Egypt and the birth of the Jewish people as a nation 3,333 years ago, 3333. On a deeper level, the meaning of Passover is not only a historical event, but a celebration of our current and personal, as well as global freedom, freedom of our own individual boundaries, limitations, self-imposed or external challenges. We free ourselves from all of them and serve God. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, this is something that, you know, it's very much about fellowship and, and getting the community together. So how will it look this year? How will it be celebrated differently, uh, Rabbi, when we talk about the, the pandemic? Well, um, a very good question. While usually it's being celebrated with uh, family and friends and we uh, there is lots of travel and, uh, and uh, fun and so on, uh, this year, obviously, it's going to be very, very different. Uh, it's going to be celebrated in our own homes um, and uh, an, in, an individual or immediate family and so on. And um, uh, while usually, for example, here in Calgary, we hold a, uh, for the last over 30 years plus, we hold a community seder where family and individuals come together at our uh, center uh, for the festive meal. This year it's going to be on our, on, uh, on our own. At the same time, 
I encourage everyone to celebrate and put an emphasis on thanking God for the blessings, uh, uh, concentrate on part of the cup that is full, and that's what true freedom is. True freedom Mm -hmm. is to open open up our eyes and minds to a better world coming our way. Let us go on a cruise vacation in our own homes for the next eight days of the holiday, dreaming and envisioning a world of peace, free of illness, free of pandemics, free of viruses, a world filled with goodness and kindness, the coming of Mashiach, of the Messiah. I love that. That's fantastic. Very, very positive. And I know that, that, you know, the Jewish community really is all about community. So how is the community dealing with this pandemic and and sort of being there for each other? Well, again, it's an an example of Passover. Usually we get together as, uh, as one big family. This did not change. And on the contrary, it became bigger and stronger while we are forced to celebrate in our own homes, which is very sad and very unfortunate for a second year in a row, at the same time, the emphasis in our community has turned into a very inspiring community of caring, sharing. As an example, at Chabad in our community kitchen, we have prepared and distributed over 1,000 meals and over 300 special Passover Seder kits which were distributed by volunteers over the week to individual homes, including seniors' homes and hospitals. So in reality, the community Seder in spirit is way, way bigger and larger than ever, and not only in our province, but even further than that. <laughs> Rabbi, uh, thank, you Fantastic. For, thank you for your time and telling us all about it. Happy Passover to you. Thank you so much, and a healthy and happy holiday to all our Jewish friends and all Albertan friends and all of Alberta and all of Canada. Good stuff. Thank you so much. That is uh, Rabbi Menachem Matasov, director of the Shabbat Lubavitch of Alberta. It's a snowy Friday, but that means the weather, well, could be perfect to just stay inside and watch some TV. And what better person to talk to at this point to get the lowdown on what we can watch on the boob tube this weekend but Brett McGarry of the Couch Potatoes. Hi, Brett. Happy Friday. Hello there. Snow there, snowing here too. Yeah, yay. Supposed to be a beautiful weekend, but you never know. That may change as soon as we blink our eyes, right? So I know you've got something for us. The Oscar nominations were released just recently, and the Best Picture nominee, one of them anyway, is out for us. That's right. The the Best Picture nominees aren't all available yet, but the latest one that you can now check out is called The Father. It stars Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Colman. The movie scored six Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, as well as Best Actor for Hopkins, Best Supporting Actress for Colman. Anthony Hopkins plays an 80-year-old man living alone, refusing any assistance from his daughter, even though he's starting to lose his grip on reality. So here's a chunk of that. You see, the situation is very simple. My daughter is of the opinion that I cannot manage on my own. I'm so sorry about this. Why? She understands perfectly. It's gotten amazing reviews, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes, and you can rent The Father through premium video on demand. I think it runs for 20 bucks, but pretty hard to go wrong with it, with something that stars both Anthony Hopkins mm. and Olivia Colman, both just excellent actors. Yeah, I mean, Anthony uh, Hopkins isn't picking a dud these days. <laughs> it's not like he has the Pauly Shore agent 
He really he was in a couple of Transformers <laughs> movies. I know, but he's probably trying to appeal to the younger set. You know what I mean? I, I think that, yeah, he is fantastic. So that's on the list. The other one, it, it seems to me, Brad, we haven't had a good Godzilla movie mm-hmm. or a King Kong. So let's let's double up. That's right. And this one definitely not will be vying for best picture. It's uh, turn off your brain and enjoy the smashy, smashy kind of movie. It's Godzilla versus Kong. Right now, Godzilla's out there and he's hurting people. We don't know why. We need Kong. The world needs him. So this is the fourth movie in the Warner Brothers Monsterverse. We had Godzilla that came out a few years back, and it was pretty good. It was followed up by Kong Skull Island, which I actually really liked. And then there was Godzilla King of the Monsters, which was kind of a dud. Uh, But now this one, by all reports, looks to be a lot of fun. I don't even really know the plot. Does it matter? Godzilla <laughs> no. and King Kong smashing each other in the street. And it looks, this is the kind of movie that uh, you just, like I said, turn off your brain, enjoy the ride. Now, since most theaters are closed in Canada, you will be able to rent this on premium video on demand starting Wednesday for 25 bucks. It's weird. Warner Brothers didn't make the announcement that it would be available this way until yesterday afternoon. They were planning to only release this in theaters, which meant a handful of theaters across the country. I think there's a a theater in Saskatchewan that's open. There's a few in Quebec. Uh, But other than that, this would have been playing in maybe a dozen Mm. movie theaters. So they finally pulled the trigger and said, yeah, okay, we'll... uh We'll put it on video. On oh, good. You. We can all get it on our homes. Um, hey, sorry, that was a bit sarcastic. I'm just <laughs> curious as to what the CG is like now with this kind of thing. Because I remember, you know, watching the original black and whites with my parents as I was when I was a little, little kid. And it was pretty horrendous. What are they like now? I haven't watched one in forever. Oh, it's it, tremendous. Uh, when they released that first Godzilla movie back in, I think it was 2014, I was just blown away. But there's still there's still some charm to those old cheesy Godzilla yeah. movies. I don't know. But uh, yeah, this does not look anything like that. I mean, he's the same shape. He just looks like an actual monster. Same for King Kong as well. The, the, the CG is flawless. Cool. No CG required, just nostalgia. Mighty Ducks on Disney Plus. It's called Mighty Ducks Game Changers. How much of the original cast is back? Are we going to recognize anybody? Emilio Estevez is back. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so this is a new six-part series on Disney+, Plus, uh, the latest addition to the Mighty Duck cinematic universe, as uh, my co-host Jeff Braun <laughs> referred to it. I mean, we, we remember the movie back in the early 90s, and it inspired the name of the, the NHL team. And he, Jeff took a look at the first episode. He enjoyed it, so that starts uh, today on Disney+, Plus, and they'll uh, reveal a new episode every week. Um, so check that out. Fantastic. Thank you, Brett. Have a great weekend. Stay warm. You too. That is Brett McGarry of the Couch Potatoes.